0: Olympic and world champion diver Laura Wilkinson and this is the pursuit of gold podcast each week we are unlocking the physical mental emotional and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports I'm very proud to announce our new sponsor katsu global I love their products and I am so thankful for their support of this podcast I'll tell you a bit more about katsu later on in this episode Today's guest is always up for a challenge and constantly wants to be pushed to the next level in everything she does, but somehow she seems to stay calm through it all because as she says, the sun will come up tomorrow and it's only gymnastics. You may know Cecile Landy as Simone Biles' coach or for coaching multiple gymnasts to Olympic medals, world championship titles, or the many full-ride scholarships to D1 schools she has helped gymnasts achieve. But did you know that Cecile was an Olympian herself? She claimed she was a late bloomer, but once she made the French senior national gymnastics team at 15, there was no stopping her. Cecile competed at three European championships, three world championships, and the 1996 Olympic Games. Cecile walks us through her journey from gymnast to coach and how she and her husband Laurent have been an unstoppable coaching duo. She also walks us through the difficult time during the Tokyo Olympics last summer, but how it had a beautiful silver lining. Cecile always wants to be pushed and challenged in order to make it to the next level. If you're like Cecile and you're constantly searching for ways to grow and improve, then I wanna tell you about the Confidence Journal. I created this tool to help you keep your head in the game and get you ready for your toughest competition. This journal is specifically designed to be quick and effective. You'll begin to take charge of your mindset and start your days off positive and focused. And at the end of each day, you'll discover lessons and building blocks to continue growing. You can order The Confidence Journal at laurawilkinson.com slash journal or on Amazon by searching my name, Laura Wilkinson, and Confidence Journal. Before we get started, go smash that subscribe button and give us a five-star review if you're enjoying the Pursuit of Gold podcast. And please tell your friends about this podcast. so We can continue to improve and grow to that next level as well. All right. I believe that there's gold in your future. So let's dive on into this episode. Cecile Landy, welcome to the Pursuit of Gold podcast. I'm super excited I've got you on here.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited too.
0: Well, you are a very well-renowned gymnastics coach these days, and we will definitely get into that in a little bit. But you were also an Olympic gymnast yourself. Tell me what it was like to grow up in gymnastics in your small hometown in France.
1: So I started when I was five, and it was just one club in my city of 40,000 people. And I just started because my sister started. She's three years older than me. And by the age of nine, uh, doing some little competition, I ended up being invited to the National Team Training Center. That's a pretty big deal for a nine-year-old, isn't it? It was. And that had been my, I guess, since I was seven, I had told my parents that I wanted to move there because I knew if I wanted to become a National Team member and an Olympian, which was my dream from very little, that's what I had to do. So they were like, but you're going to have to leave the house and you're going to have to move away from us and only see us on the weekend." and I don't remember very well, but apparently I was like, yeah, and what? (laughs) So my parents were like, okay. (laughs) Um, So I had to move to the big city and it was a big difference for me, uh, but I loved it. I loved it. Just it's busy, a lot of shopping, a lot of, uh, you know, public transportation. We had so many good friends, so I had to make the move for my little town. But I like going back on the weekend and kind of relax uh, with my family.
0: Was it hard at all, like, I mean, being away from your parents at such a young age? I mean, I know's pretty young. Or, or were you just so consumed with the gym that you just didn't even notice?
1: I was lucky enough that my aunt just moved that year to that big city. And so I had my cousin and I was really close to him and her. And so the first two years when they hosted me, I was fine because I was with family. So it felt really fun. After that, they had... They had to make a switch so I couldn't stay and that's when it became a little harder. I the Sunday at five PM I remember it was close to the drive back and I hated that time. It was some days I would cry and I would try not to show my parents because I didn't want them to take me out. I wanted my chance, but there were some nights that were pretty difficult. But all my friends were in the same situation. So we made it okay, you know. We all did it together.
0: Yeah. A little camaraderie there. Yeah. Well, man, well, you said, and I, I love that you noted this when you wrote me some of your bio, uh, you said you didn't make the junior national team, but you broke through at the senior national team at 15. And you, you said you were a late bloomer. And I could totally relate <laughs> to that because I didn't start diving till I was 15. I was a little gymnast too, but I was not nearly as good as you. But I I love gymnastics, started diving late, and I barely got a couple of junior meets in before I was just, you know, in college and in the senior circuit. So tell me a little bit about how you finally broke through.
1: So I think once I made, was invited to the national team, I thought that was it. You know, so I kind of cruised through and I'll be honest, I wasn't the hardest worker when I was younger. I was just happy. I was just happy to be there. It was fun. And then I was 13, 13, 14. And it was a time they were like, okay, either you're going to step up your game or you need to go back to your club. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all, All my friends are here. So I made a switch. I actually requested to switch coaches at that time. I wanted to be pushed. I didn't feel pushed. And I wanted to feel it. So we had a couple of Chinese coaches that were there and they had the best kids. And I wanted my chance to be there. And most of the people, there were like, I don't think you're going to survive. I don't think you're (laughs) strong enough to do it. And I actually, it helps me when someone tells me I can't do it. I'm going to prove you that I can. So I was like, okay, but at least I've tried. And I made the switch that summer. And after a year with them, I was invited like to the national team for the seniors. So, yeah, I never competed as a junior um, European championships or anything like that. I wasn't good enough. But at the end, I think it, it worked out for me because I was able to pace myself. And I was healthy to continue and to make it to the Games because I had a few friends that were way better than me as juniors who unfortunately didn't su- survive the sport at the time. And so didn't make, you know, the big goal.
0: Right. And that, that is such a hard thing in gymnastics where you get so good so young, but there's that balance of where you need to make sure your body, yeah, lasts. That's a, whew, a tricky business. So what was your experience like going to you went to three European championships, three world championships, the 96 Olympic Games? What was maybe your most memorable
1: experience at that level? I think my first world championships, my family was able to be there, was in Germany so they could drive. And I just remember being uh, seeing the, the Russian and the Romanian and the American and be like, wow, I'm like competing with them, you know, and I'm not seeing them TV anymore. So that was, that was a big deal that my mom and dad could be there. And then the 96 games, just we fought to do the opening ceremony because usually gymnasts don't do it. And we stood up and were like, "We are doing it. We don't know if we're gonna ever come back, and i' w- I don't wanna miss it." So we all you know took a stand and <laughs> we did, and we went and seeing the stadium and walking there uh with all the French athletes and everybody, it was just pretty amazing just to see the rings everywhere and finally being there, my parents were able to come too, so that made it even like really special so and just proving to myself and to everyone who did not believe in me that I could do it. <laughs> I think that was a really good part, too.
0: Uh, yeah, there is something about walking in that stadium and, and everything kind of becomes real, right? Like the Olympics are like, wow, I'm really here. This is really happening. It's so, yeah, I get like goosebumps just talking about it. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I had We had as a team, we, had, we were all new. None of us had done the games before. So we're a brand new team. And the first day we competed at the time we had compulsory and optional and the compulsory, we honestly didn't know very well, but they kept telling us you're not at the game. It's just another competition. You're not there. But we're like, how can we forget? Everywhere we look, you have the rings everywhere, the rings in the chalk bucket, the rings on the beam, the rings on the board. Like how are we supposed to not know we're here? And so that first day was not very good. And after that, we did much better as a team. <laughs> but yeah, that was a little bit rough.
0: Takes a little get used, little getting used to. Yeah, for sure. Well, without an NCAA system in France. What made you decide to kind of continue competing after 96? Were you going for 2000 or did, were you just still doing it because you wanted to do it? Or how, how did you shift your goals? I know because for a lot of girls here, the goal is sometimes to get to college gymnastics, you know. Um, so what is the headspace like? And, and this was a while ago, um, back in the late 90s. So it's, it's changed a little bit since then. I know girls tend to have a little bit longer lifespan in gymnastics. But what, what was that time like for
1: you? So after the games, I thought I was going to retire. I was like, hey, I achieved what I want to do. I'm done. And then actually I was like, I'm not ready. I want to keep going. And so I continued until 98 was pretty easy. I was just happy to do it. 99, that's when college started to become a little bit harder. <laughs> and financially, we don't make money. So I also found a part-time job at a little store so I was working 16 hours a week I was trying to train also going to school and I was like okay some something has to give and uh, I just felt really content and and happy with the career that I had as an elite athlete so I decided just you know to walk away and nobody understood it because in 98 I had a pretty big surgery on my ankle and at 19 they were like oh she's done she's not going to come back. And I made it a purpose to come back and actually do really well nationals. And uh, so I could, again, prove protect, them wrong, <laughs> hey, you know, and, and myself, like, I can't do it. I can come back. And if I decide to quit, it's because I want to not because I don't belong there anymore. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to live on my own terms with the elite world. But then I missed competing and I I missed all that. So my club, we have a big national championships and they asked me if I wanted to still compete. So it's like a I would compare it to like level 10 gymnastics here. And that's what I kept doing until 2002, competing for my club just so I could have fun and still see a lot of my friends and flip around a little bit. I think
0: it's nice and refreshing to hear that because a lot of people who get to that level think, well, when I'm done, I have to be totally done. Like I can't do this anymore, you know. But but you can still have fun at a pretty high level and still enjoy it. And I think it's really it's encouraging to hear because it's not very common, <laughs> you know.
1: I know, and I I really enjoyed it. I had three years, and they were a young team, so I was you know the the mom in that team, and it was it was fun to compete with those little girls and so excited about the sport and showing them there's also more to elite gymnastics. You can still do some really good gymnastics in the club world. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. Even if your career is not the one you thought it was going to be, it's going to be fine. You still can have a lot of fun in gymnastics. Definitely.
0: Well, were you always wanting to be a coach or I I know you said you picked that up to kind of work part time to pay for school while you were also training, Mm -hmm. but was that where you knew you wanted to go or did you kind of
1: just fall into that? Um, No, when I was young, I wanted to be a nurse like my mom. And then she told me really early on, don't do it. It's too hard. (laughs) Don't make money. You work too much. And I look at her now, I say, look what I do. I work way too much. I don't make a lot of money So, and I'm not a nurse, but then I wanted to be a PT because as an athlete, you spend so much time with your PT that you want to become one. And so I started going to school for, for that, for PT, it was PT, PE teachers and professional coaches, because you have to have a degree in Europe to be able to coach. Oh, okay. So that's where I started out the first two years. It's like a general thing. And then you go to your branch. And so that's when my former gym contacted me and was like, Hey, have you ever thought about coaching? And I was like, Well, I don't know if I want to do that and I said, well, why don't you, you know, finish your degree, work part time, we'll pay for your school and see if that's what you would like to do. And a former coach was like, I think you'll be really good at it. And so that's, I think I took the easy way and was like, okay, I already, someone wants to hire me and pay for my school and keep doing it. So why not? And that's how I really ended up coaching. It was not something that I had decided since I was young, definitely no regrets, but that's not what I picturing myself doing when I was younger.
0: Was it a hard switch to go from being the athlete to being the coach?
1: Oh I thought coaching was so easy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought oh look at them they do nothing they don't you know <laughs> but it's a different kind of stress it's a different kind of fatigue it's uh, it's not easy definitely not easy and um so I have a lot more respect for my coaches and anyone who coaches because and it does not get any easier <laughs> as the years goes on it's a hard job it's a hard job and Uh, Sometimes not. A lot of people think it's a hobby. It's more than that. It has to be more than that.
0: Well, yeah, just seeing, I mean, coaches at your level, the amount that you... Pour into your athletes because you have to know each one of them, and you have to know how to work with each one of them on different levels. Because everybody's wired different, and to get them to do what you want them to do, like there's there's so much emotion attached to it. Not just for the athlete, but I think for the coach too. When the coaches are really committed and involved, like you are, Um, so yeah, it's I I see you know why it can be really draining and stressful, and um, just because of that emotion, I think.
1: Yeah, we're not working out physically and. But it's a different kind of stress. And it's, yeah, the fatigue is very different. I think it's more emotional and mental than anything else. And I am more stressed when my athletes compete than when I was competing because I'm not in control anymore. And I hope that I have done enough and not too much or they get on that beam or any event and you're like, there you go. That's it. <laughs> and You know, the sisters, we have a couple of girls who are sisters in a team. And when they watch their sibling compete, they're like, oh my gosh, it's so much more stressful than when it's me. I said, because you can't do it. You have to watch it. (laughs) And you, you know, you can't jump on that event and be like, okay, I'll do it for you. You have to believe that they got it and they're ready for it. And they're going to trust themselves.
0: That's well said. Uh, Kenny, my coach always likes to say, I can hold your hand. I could walk you out to the edge of the 10 meter, but you're the one who has to do the dive. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <yeah>. yes. <laughs> so, how did you end up in Norman, Oklahoma? How did you go from France and coaching in this small town to Norman, Oklahoma?
1: <laughs> um, so, I got to go back to when I was 12. I did my first camp in the States. I went to Parquette, I went to New Jersey. And we, I came home and I was like, I want to move to the states when I grow up. They have like, to do what? I said, I don't know. I just want to move to the states. I love, I love this country. It's just people work hard to get. I don't know. Just and the houses and everything was just so much <laughs> from my little town and even Marseille was just so different. So when I started coaching. After two years coaching, I was actually very lucky to right away coach as the national team training center. Um, I was in charge of the eight to 13 year old. It freaked me out because I saw my life in front of me and I knew how I was going to be. And I was like, oh no, like I am not that kind of person that can just sit still and just be coaching this for the rest of my life. I need challenges and I need to be pushed. I can't do this. So I contacted one of my former coaches. Um, who had worked in Oklahoma for a couple of years, but came back to the to France. They didn't like the system in, in the U.S. And I asked them, I said, do you think you could help me find a club that would be willing to hire me and, and Laurent? Um, because we, I mean, that was my dream to move. He was just coming up with me like, oh, you know, why not? If it doesn't work out, we'll go back home. It's not a big deal. And so they put me in contact with Bart Conner and Nadia Kamanej and Paul Zert, who is a big name in the world of gymnastics, Was he owns International Gymnast, Grips, et cetera. Like So he has a lot of connections and they were actually looking for two coaches. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so yeah, flew me over uh, that spring. I went there for 10 days. I came home and I told Laurent, well, it's in Oklahoma. Um, There's nothing. (laughs) Because we we lived in Marseille by the beach, Um, you know, pretty good. (laughs) But if we wanna give ourselves a chance to start somewhere, you know, they're willing to help us with the visa and we can commit to three years and then we'll go from there, see what happens. And so we packed two suitcases each that summer and moved to Norman, Oklahoma. And we did not speak one word of English as well. So that was also that was really fun too.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. So was it like
1: total shell shock when you when you like started? Everything was just crazy. Um we, yeah, we only spoke to each other. And after a while, it becomes a little, you know, tiring. We did not really me. like each other because you guys weren't married so, at
0: that point, were you?
1: No, we were not married. And we're like, OK, if we survived it, then we're good. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a notebook each. And at the time, Laurent was actually still competing for one of the club in France. So he was still in great shape and being able to show a lot of skills. And I was showing a few things as well. And we would ask the girls to write it down. And tell us how to pronounce it, and so that's what we do every day. We would show, oh we would coach with a lot of hands movement, and then I started coaching preschool gymnastics. I was like, you know what, I, I have to learn. So just put me in there, and I'm going to figure it out. And I read magazines, books that I had read in French. I read them in English, so I could You know, kind of have an idea what it was talking about. I watched the entire Friends. <laughs> sitcom that probably helped English? you the most I'm guessing <laughs> yes it sitcom from season one to the last one in English with a subtitle in English so but the first six months were really really hard I cried a lot I was like what am I doing here and then once Christmas went through and we started competing with the kids I was good like they say it's it's so funny you feel like one day you wake up and you understand what they're talking about and it really felt that way like I thought it was never going to happen. And when you have your first dream in English, you're like, Whoa,
0: I've heard that that from some of my friends. Yeah. Like they woke (laughs) up. I dreamed in English. It was so crazy.
1: (laughs) It was very weird. You're like, okay, that's so funny. Well, so from
0: there, a few years later, your daughter, Juliet was born and we have to real quick give Juliet a shout out because she's now my diving teammate, which is kind of fun. Small little world we have, but after she was born, you guys made the move down to WOGA, right? World Olympic Gymnastics Academy?
1: Yes. Uh, so we spent three years in Oklahoma, and then we were looking for more opportunities to try to do maybe more gymnastics and try to maybe go through the elite route. You know, we wanted to have that chance, which uh, was not really in Oklahoma. And uh, WOGA had, I guess, seen what we had done in Oklahoma. And they contacted us and wanted us to come down. So we packed up and drove a couple hours down and moved to Plano when Julia was two months old. And we started at Woga and we were there for 10 years.
0: Well, so I have to ask, OK, I love that you guys are like a package deal. It sounds like, you know, um, coming down together. But is there ever because are you guys coaching the same athletes usually is there ever competitiveness between you guys like as husband and wife like how how do you you know leave it at the gym or how do you work together was that hard or was it a pretty natural thing for you guys
1: we had never worked together until we moved to the states so it was you know we're like we I guess we're gonna figure it out and pretty quickly We work really well together. We don't have to say much. We know what we want. We love the same gymnastics. We love the same technique. Uh, I would say we compete maybe a little bit like on bars and beam. That's more his event. That's my event. And so, you know, when someone wins bars, I'm like, hey, she won beam this. So just for fun uh, between us. But once we're at home, we typically don't talk about it and just leave it there.
0: Is that ever hard to leave it at the gym?
1: Some situations were hard, you know, in case of uh, an injury or I don't know, something
0: tough situation,
1: maybe, maybe late, tough situation coming back. And it, it, it's just a little tough, but most of the time we're pretty good at not talking about it at home.
0: That's really impressive.
1: Because <laughs> we're already so much together that we need to be able to talk about something else.
0: (laughs) I guess that, that makes a lot of sense. That's really good. Probably made you guys strong. Well, I mean, there at Woga, you guys really seem to find your stride. I mean, you guys had a lot of really amazing athletes come out of there. I mean, you had what uh, a lot of D one full ride scholarships, world champions, uh, an Olympic champion. Like what was that ride? Like you got your chance to coach the elites and you guys became very successful.
1: I mean, it was just, you know, year by year, we had, we started, we were given a team by the owners because someone had left. So we had a team of, I can't remember how many kids were there, maybe 15. And they ranged from the age of nine to 12. And we just asked them, you know, what are your goals? And most of them were, I want to become a elite gymnast and I want to go to uh, a D1 school with a full ride. All right. And a year later we had two that actually qualified uh junior elite. And so we went to our first championships in 08. And that was really cool to see because it was the Olympic year as well. And it was Nastia who was from Woga. So everything was just really amazing to see how she was working out, what it you know, what it takes to get there, and and it's actually possible that someone from your gym can be an Olympian. And I think that also helped a lot of our girls to see this. Um and I, I don't know, year by year we just kept working, kept working with the girls and just they were just learning so fast and they followed the our leads and the process and trust that we had the best interests for them. And it just worked out. And I don't think we realized anything we had accomplished until the tenure passed, when we decided and we're like, whoa, <laughs> that was a pretty wild ride. And it's so fun to see all the athletes now. Most of them have graduated college or some like last year. And so to see them now, um, big girls job and getting engaged and all that and still have a relationship with them, it's, uh, it's been fun. But uh, yeah, I think it just happened kind of in a weird way naturally that we didn't realize what was going on until 2017 where... We were kind of mentally and physically tired, exhausted, and we just decided to take a break and figure out what we wanted to do next.
0: Well, and I love that. And I, I wanted to go back. I love that you guys did get to see Nastia, both because that was kind of the beginning for you and, and seeing, you know, what she was doing at that time. And also, like, like you mentioned, for the girls to see that someone from your gym can be an Olympian, can be an Olympic champion, like it's, it's, it's real. It's, it becomes more tangible at that time, right? It's not so much this big dream everyone has. It actually becomes something, hey, somebody from our gym did this. It's possible.
1: And it was a second one from Woga because Carly had did it had done it in t- 2004. So it was the second one from Woga who was able to do it and two different coaches. So it wasn't even like, you need to be with this coach to be able to do it. Like trust the program, trust the process. Like if it's meant to happen, it will happen. And so to have Maddie to go to the games with us, another set of coaches, it was like, okay, so it's not... The coaches that necessarily like great it's just the whole program is meant to really be able to make you reach your best and use your potential to the fullest. Well,
0: so being at that level at that program and having also produced the Olympic champion yourselves, what made you kind of reevaluate and want to leave?
1: At one point, I think it was more for Laurent than me because I I missed out a lot of camps and stuff like that. Laurent went to all the camps, all the competitions and I stay home with Juliet and all our athletes away that we had at home. And when she turned 10, it was April, 2017. He was like, I missed everything and we need some time for us. Like we need to figure out something there where we can spend more time together. And, and so that was, I think that was it. That was also trying to find maybe what, what else can we do? Yeah. How can we be challenged? Do we open a gym? Do we do we go to college? What do we do? So,
0: And you were going to open a gym, right? But what happened instead?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we had traveled that summer to see what we're going to do. And then we had found a really good location in Arizona. People wanted to retire. So we wanted to buy the gym. Laurent loves golfing. So you know, everything really, really good. Juliet really liked it, and we were about to buy it, and we got a call, and it was Simone. It was actually the VP at the time of USAG telling us that she had spoke to Simone, and our name were mentioned, and we're like, okay, whatever. But then we heard from her and her mom um, asking us to commit them if we were interested of um, helping her come back for the Tokyo Games, and so. We drove down and we're like, you know what, it's not going to cost us anything just to, to see what they have to say. And uh, mainly we wanted to make sure that Simone was coming back for her and no one else. And she truly was not pushed by, you know, her agent, her family or sponsors, anything. We want to make sure it came from her heart and her head and she was fully committed to it. And so when we spoke to her alone, it, we truly saw that she she wanted to do it. So we went back to Dallas and we looked at each other we like, I mean, we can't pass this opportunity. We can always open a gym later, but working with the most talented athlete I've ever seen in my life, it's not going to happen again. And we had the challenge to also build the program at WCC to try to make the team grow. There was not a lot of gymnastics in this beautiful building and we're like, okay, we have to. So there was two challenges. So we decided to, to go down a little more south. And here we are. Have you melted
0: yet? (laughs) Uh,
1: I don't like the bugs here, but other than that, I like the weather a little bit better. (laughs)
0: That's good. We try to keep the humidity in the air. You know, I think it's good for your skin or something.
1: (laughs) I know. Dallas, I I don't miss all those tornadoes and hailstorm and all that. Yeah, it does get weird up there, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> at least we're not too far from the beach. They're not the prettiest beaches, but we're not too far from the beach.
1: No. But yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Probably not like where you grew up. I you know, Juliet was telling me not how beautiful <laughs> that area is. I'm like, yeah, oh, Galveston's is not quite the same thing. <laughs> I first started using katsu after I discovered it could be used for recovery. After speaking with a Navy SEAL friend that had used katsu to help him recover from traumatic injuries, I decided to give it a try for an ongoing tricep issue I had. Within the first week, I noticed the cramping I had in my tricep would completely stop after a katsu session. It also helped me recover much faster after platform workouts. After seeing such great recovery, I started to add katsu into some strength training and plyometric workouts as well. And the craziest side effect that I noticed was that I was hardly ever sore from a hard workout that I did while wearing the katsu bands. I feel like katsu has given me the ability to get stronger while recovering faster. Katsu is the pioneer and gold standard of the emerging blood flow restriction market. Navy SEALs, world champions, and gold medalists use katsu daily for improved performance, quicker rehabilitation, and unprecedented recovery from hard workouts, intense competitions, and even jet lag. Katsu was invented in Japan and has been used at every Winter and Summer Olympics since 1988. Katsu Global offers a variety of easy-to-use products that can be used safely and effectively in the comfort of your home, office, or during travel. It can be used for any workout or between training and competitions for recovery. To learn more about Katsu and even get 10% off, go to laurawilkinson.com katsu. That's laurawilkinson.com slash katsu. K-A-A-T-S-U. I have to ask. So, I mean, you do have this amazing opportunity to coach Simone Biles, who is arguably one of the most incredible athletes gymnastics has ever seen. And I love that you guys' first thing was to to make sure she was doing it for herself and and make sure that was, was okay. But was there this pressure that you had being her coach and taking that on? Like, what was that like for
1: you guys as coaches? The pressure was put on us by media and i think everyone around us uh, for us the pressure we had is we just wanted to make sure she because she had been with amy for so many years uh, we wanted her to believe in us that we would do anything for her and we would be on her corner no matter what if it was gonna be a success or not, uh, if she was gonna retire after a year coming back, if she was never gonna compete, if she was gonna do amazing thing, we wanted her to know that we were gonna support her no matter what. And so it took a little bit of time, but really early on, she really embraced what we were doing, going back to the basics, which she wasn't a big fan of, but (laughs) she did and she saw herself setting to get even better and so the rest just happened. But the pressure for us was toward her. We wanted, we didn't want to disappoint her. We want to make sure she got the chance that she deserved. And other than that, I didn't really care what anyone else was saying. You're not in my shoes. And I do know that I'm doing the best that I can to help her. And as long as she knows that, then the rest doesn't matter.
0: That's well said. How How do you separate coaching when you have someone like Simone, who is a super high level, high priority athlete, I mean, you, you really a, a lot of the reason you moved there was to coach her. But at the same time, you're coaching these other gymnasts who need stuff from you as well. Like, is that sometimes really difficult to balance?
1: I don't think so. We've always coached a big team. Uh, so we don't know how to coach one or two athletes, to be honest with you. I think it's, it's put so much pressure on the athletes and the coaches when you have such a small group. So it's easier to balance everybody. And she also had never be, been part of a big team. So for her, it was new. And she actually really enjoyed it. She enjoyed having teammate, And she was, you know, goofing around. She, like when you saw her training, she was acting completely normal, like anyone else in the building. Uh, she never acted like she was amazing superstar that she is. <laughs> never she would ask to share a beam. She would ask if she could take that match. She would, you know, she would cheer on other people. She would give advice on younger kids. So actually for us, it was really helpful because she showed everyone that nothing is given as well. She had to work hard. She was doing what everybody else was doing. And so it, it was not hard to balance all that. And Simone understood that if we had a big competition with some of the athletes, we would spend maybe a little bit more time with them and vice versa. And it was just something everybody understood.
0: That's, I, that's really good re- to hear. It's refreshing yeah, it's refreshing to hear that certain things don't go to people's heads and things like that, that she is a, a normal human and, and asked to share. She is. <laughs> and You know, like that's it's but people don't know that, you know, people make a lot of assumptions when they just see people on TV or in the media. So it's it's always good to bring things down to reality and understand how it really works, you know, behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, for sure. When when she was at WCC, she was just one of them. And her parents made sure of that, that she was not treated differently. That's good.
0: How did the pandemic and postponing of the Olympics uh, affect Simone and the other Olympic hopefuls on your team?
1: For one of them, it helped <laughs> Jordan. Jordan needed that extra year. She came to us um, mentally kind of broken uh, from a former gym, and it was a little bit late in the game when she she showed up. So we knew it was it could be possible, but we knew it was going to take also some luck. Because the time frame was so short. So when the pandemic happened for her, uh, once she figured out her school and she knew she wanted to stay and give herself a chance to compete at the Games, it just helped her. She became more consistent and everybody started noticing, oh, wow, Jordan. They all knew she was talented, but she could never hit in competition. And finally, she had the training and the confidence to, to do it. Simone, at the beginning, didn't think she was going to keep going. I think it was the first reaction on many athletes. Like, oh my gosh, one more year? Are you kidding me? I can't do this one more year. I think at at the very beginning, it was a lot. But quickly, she said, you know what? I didn't go that far to stop now. So I want to keep going. And um, I think at the end, she may not have done the performance that she wanted in Tokyo, but she opened the doors to so many more things than just sports. And I guess the pandemic had been such a mental struggle for everybody, but nobody wanted to talk about it. And I think she was the one who said, hey, I'm not okay. Yeah, <laughs> And it's okay to not be okay. And I'm struggling. So I guess for both it worked out different ways, but at the end, the results were pretty incredible. And if you want to look at it this way, and that we chose to, we chose to embrace what happened and learn from it.
0: What else, what else should you do? I mean, that's, that's the best, <laughs> that's the best thing you can do is like, what do I learn from this and how do I grow? Otherwise you just, you're sitting in bitterness and disappointment and you, you take these feelings with you that are not necessary and it's like poison, you know, it's like poison to your soul kind of. Well, so let's, let's talk about Tokyo. It, it didn't go the way you guys wanted or planned for, I'm sure. I love that she posted a picture on Instagram of you and her with the little caption, forever thankful to have such an amazing support system by my side. That was really, really cool. Um, but, but walk us through, I know a lot of people probably saw it, but walk us through from your perspective, what happened last year?
1: So when we left for Tokyo, honestly, she was looking good, feeling good. The training were going really well qualification was a little shaky, but qualification, I mean, it's the hardest one because if you mess that day, <laughs> you're done. So the pressure is really extreme on that, on that day. And after qualifying to all event finals, everything, which had not been done in, I don't know, 40 years or something. I, I can't remember. So it was like really incredible. She, she felt pretty good. She was excited. Did she not make all event went, finals in, um, in Rio? She didn't do bars. No, she didn't make the bar final. Okay, wow. Yeah. So that was a big deal and um, super excited. And plus, uh, I was able to be there because usually you have one coach per athlete, but Jordan making the team, that meant that both of us could be there. And so, so happy. And the next day we started training and something was said by our national team staff that she took wrong and her demeanor changed. And I I saw that pressure on her shoulders showing up more, and she was not practicing as well. And that's when she started having her first case of the twisties on the floor. And we stopped practice, and we took a break. And she was like, well, "I'll be fine," and she didn't seem to worry too much. You know, we're like, "Okay, it's it's okay." She, but the next day it happened again. Uh, and then we talked to her. And she said, well, I can switch this, this pass with this one. And we're like, okay, there's no twisting. And she was fine. And she was like, okay, I feel better. I feel ready. I'm ready to do this. Uh, We went to the competition day. She warmed up all the events in the back well, and she looked really good. Uh, She looked at me. She looked really good. I was, I was pretty confident. She was okay. But she said as soon as she stepped on into the arena and the lights something just clicked and she just lost her confidence and everything. And she started panicking, but didn't want to say anything. So went for the vault. Um, I was in the back because only a couple of coaches had inside. So I couldn't see what was going on. And um, when I walked into the arena uh, to to switch with another coach, Laurent looked at me and said, did you see? I said, no, I can't see anything from the back. He said, she did one and a half. I said what? It's like she did a one and a half, and I went to her. I said, "You're right." She said, "Yeah, no, it was just a mistake. I, I, I'm fine. I got this." But I saw in her eyes she didn't get this, and I was like, "Oh shoot!" And she's about to step on on the podium and say, "You okay?" She's like, "Yes." She took her first step, and I knew, I knew it was off. And all I could, I could think is, "Please don't get hurt." Like. Don't do it if you don't have to, but just don't get hurt. And she ran, so good lost, managed to land on her feet, you know, to get a score for the team. And as soon as she got down, she looked at me and said, I can't. I can't compete today. I can't do it. And I could tell that she was not going to be able to at all. That was not even trying, like, it. come on. All I ask is, are you sure? You know, are you 100% sure you want to be done today? I didn't want, it's not I wanted to push her. I wanted to make sure she realized what she was saying to make sure she would not regret the next couple of, uh, you know, the meet. And she said, those girls, they need a medal. They deserve a medal and they will get a medal without me. If I compete, we're done. And I was like, okay. And the girl stepped up and that was it.
0: Yeah. they And they did amazing. They did a really amazing job. Yes. So for the people who don't understand, can you explain what the twisties are?
1: She was lost in the air. She couldn't control her body. She was completely, she didn't know from up to down, right to left. You just can't control your body. You're not sure what your body is going to be doing in the air. So when your twisty it happens into a soft surface and you don't do the Very hard skills, I would say it's all right. But when we know what Simone is doing on a very hard floor, it was not a chance of just maybe breaking her leg or an arm. It was going to be more serious than this. And there was no way we were going to chance anything happening to her or anyone. It would have been anyone else. It would have been the same thing. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And I've, I've gotten lost um, in diving uh, not on twisters, but on just like a I was doing a back arm stand off the 10 meter and for some reason I threw my head back and started spotting the sky instead of the water and I, I didn't know right side up from upside down and I kept landing wrong and I couldn't figure it out and it was happening. It spread from that dive to my other dives. Then I was just getting disoriented walking around because I was so confused and, and it's amazing how this happens because sometimes it can happen from an accident like I just threw my head back, I didn't know what I was Was doing, but it can also, this stuff can also be triggered by anxiety or emotions or different things that set you off inside. It comes out physically. And I think for people need to understand that, like in a sport like gymnastics, where like you said, you're landing on a hard surface and if you don't know right side up from upside down and you land on your head, you break your neck. Like this could be it, you know, like, like life altering ending, you know, kind of thing. And so, because I grew up in, in fourth grade, like we, I had a gymnast on our team who was at a world championships in Japan and she, she broke her neck, um, on the vault and she was in a coma for four years before they pulled the plug and she passed away. I I just barely knew her. It was it was really upsetting to the team, but but that's very real. I mean, that's why they changed the vault to a table. You know, there's a lot of things that happen. They, you know, put the mats around the springboard, everything like that. But for people who don't understand, like gymnastics is very very serious if you're off and if your mind and your head isn't there and you don't know where you are, you know, it's it's it can be very traumatic. So it that must have been, I can't imagine. With all the pressure she had, knowing what she was capable of, but also understanding what she couldn't do in that moment to to say she couldn't compete, I feel like was a very impressive thing to do. I'm actually really, really impressed by that choice that she made. I think that was really smart, um, but it had to be excruciatingly hard.
1: Oh, it was really hard. But once she's made it and we spoke to the doctor, I saw the relief in her shoulders like, okay. Like I can breathe now and I'm going to go cheer on my teammates and I'm going to make sure they believe that they can do it. And that's really all I asked her to. I said, are you good to come back? They they need you. They need your support. They can't handle the gymnastics, but they're going to need the extra support that you can bring. And she was absolutely, she put her jacket back on and ran in and was the best cheerleader in there. Afterwards, she felt like she had failed Team USA and she started reading stuff. And that's when we're like, okay, you need to get off social media. People don't know. And, you know, being couch coaches, like I call them, it's it's easy. It's easy to judge. You quit. What? A, no, you did not quit. You made a smart choice. a Very difficult one. One that was no one expected you to make, but the one that you had to make and her parents were very supportive as well. She knew we didn't judge her on what had happened. We just wanted her to be able to talk to us and what can we do? You know, how can we help you? Because what do you need? And she was like, I need to go back to a training gym and see what I can do. And so we went and drove an hour and a half and went to the training gym. Florin and was not going back. She couldn't. She just couldn't do it. She really, really wanted to be able to compete bars and her bar routine was beautiful, but the dismount involved the twisting and she couldn't figure it out. So she had to scratch bars. And I think that one hurt the most, the most, because she had worked really, really hard to become an Olympic finalist on bars. And that's something that no one thought she could do. And, and she was right there. And I think that one was, that's the first time I saw her really sad. And so that's when she was like, you know what? I want to do beam and I can do beam. I, you know, we spoke, change the dismount. Let's let's see. It's not about the metal. It's about you want to do it. I'll help you and we'll go from there.
0: And I have to say, I mean, and I think that was super smart um, to change that dismount the way you guys did. But even though it was an easier dismount for her, and I'm sure she's done it in the past, like. You're at the Olympic Games going to compete for an Olympic medal and you've just randomly changed your dismount to something you haven't done (laughs) in a long time. Like that's got to be kind of unnerving a little bit. I mean, but she she did amazing when that bronze medal on beam walk us through that day and that moment and how how all of that played out.
1: So when we started changing the dismount, luckily we were in the soft in the pit. So we were in the pit. And she was doing it two and a half. She was not able to control her strength. <laughs> I was oh, like, gosh. Oh gosh, how are we gonna land this thing? You know? Um, and then she's starting to figure out a little bit. Then we went back to the re- regular gym and she would land and over-rotate, land and over-rotate. And but she she felt like it's okay, I got it. I'm gonna figure this thing out. I was like, We have forty-eight hours. Um, <laughs> come on. <laughs> but we you know we spoke and she was like, you know. I'm safe. I said, yes, you are safe. I would not let you go if it wasn't safe. It's a very safe dismount. You might over rotate it, but it's it's a safe dismount. So if you want to go out there and compete it, then let's do it. And so that morning we went to training and she, she was like, I'm doing this. I'm going to compete it. I want to do it. I said, okay. Went back to the hotel, took a little nap, went back to training. She warmed up and did one of the best dismount I was like and she looked at me big smile like <laughs> I got this I, I got it and so when she saluted at that at the meet we walked in she felt good she didn't feel the pressure she was like okay I'm just doing one more beam routine and um you know she stayed close to me which usually she's all on her own looked at her give her a hug I say let's do it she's like yep I'm ready she, and she said I was a little nervous. And as soon as I jumped on that beam, I felt really confident. And the only thing I wanted her to be able to just enjoy herself. And when she hit that dismount, that was just the relief. Like she did it. She's safe. She competed the way she wanted to compete. Uh, she proved to herself that she could do it. And it's going to help her on the healing process. For me, that was what was important. It was I know if she can do this. It's going to help her because that's truly what she's been asking to do and after that we just watch and somewhere making mistakes and i think that's when the picture like i'm grabbing her head and i uh, like you're gonna get a bronze and she's like oh my god <laughs> you know and she and she was like this bronze is so much better than the bronze i got in rio <laughs> it feels like gold yeah so it was it was just just so fun uh it was as a coach, my first time that was on the Olympic floor in a final and to have it with her and get that bronze was just a pretty cool just to see how proud of herself she was.
0: Yeah. And, and a bronze that feels like gold too. That's pretty special. Mm-hmm. That is really cool. Do you think she's, I know she's recently gotten engaged. Do you think she'll be coming back for more or do you think she's, uh, she's done?
1: I don't know, I think it's her story to tell. I think right now she's pretty happy um, <laughs> and, you know she's planning a wedding for next year. She's taking vacation, she's enjoying being herself um uh, with a great guy. He's a really, really good person and an athlete as well, so I think that's uh, that was important to understand the commitment that they both need to have and needed to to have when she was still competing. Then we'll see. Time would tell what she decides to do. We told her if you come back again, it has to be for you, can't be for us, can't be for anyone else but yourself. And we'll be here if you want us to be.
0: I love that. Well, what you've had so many amazing coaching experiences and you haven't slowed down. I mean, you're just coming off of a state meet. What was a level ten state meet this past weekend? Yes.
1: Yeah. That's been our goal since we started here. Um We've been wanting to win. It's really hard in Texas to win level 10 state. So many great clubs in the state. It's pretty hard. Last year, we lost by one tenth and a half, over 268 points. Oh my goodness. Uh, That was just, you know, we're so close. And the girls like, so that was a, you know, disappointment. But the past year, we all worked so hard to really build that team spirit. Even if it's an individual sport, they've noticed that they only get better if the team is better. And so that's why really we want them to understand the stronger your team is, the stronger you're going to be. And we've been working on that for the past year. And so this yesterday to be able to win, finally <laughs> they Yay. were just like so happy and we've been really, really happy um, for them too. Cause I know they want it so bad. And so they were not going to get the 10th and a half behind again. <laughs> they were like, no, 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 no. We're going to work on the details. We're going to pay attention. We're going to we're gonna fight till the end. And they did. And so, yeah, it was pretty cool. And I just came back from Germany as well. Um, so it's been a little busy.
0: Just crushing goals all over the place. It's awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Trying to.
0: Well, what advice do you have for other coaches listening right now?
1: Well, what I tell my staff here, at the end of the day, you're here for the athletes. They're not here for you. You're here for them. It's your job to figure out what, how you can help them become their best. And the sun will rise tomorrow. It's only gymnastics. It's going to be okay if today's not perfect.
0: I love that. That's awesome.
1: I tell my athletes that it's okay. The, the sun will rise tomorrow. It's a new day. You're going to be okay.
0: Ah, that's a perfect note to like close this out. Cecile, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your story with us today and giving us so many just valuable lessons. And I think what I love most of all is that you have hit kind of the peak of the sport as an athlete and as a coach, but yet for you, you can still say it's just gymnastics. The sun will come up. I mean, that's just, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank
1: you. I mean, it's, it is true. It's just gymnastics. It is true. doesn't feel like it in the
0: moment sometimes, but we have no, to remember no, no. that.
1: <laughs> yes. And, uh, and one day they understand what I'm saying and they're like, you're right. You know. And I truly believe what's meant to happen will happen. You just got to believe and, and keep your head high no matter what happens. Um, if you're on top, then great. If you're not, it's going to be fine. Just keep being yourself and just keep moving.
0: Just keep moving. Just keep swimming, right? Are we, are we Dory now? <laughs>
1: yeah. love it. But Juliet, keep jumping. Keep, <laughs> keep jumping. By the way, I'm so happy she picked that sport. I love diving. Yeah. So I'm so excited. Well,
0: you need to come play in the pool
1: sometime. I bet you still got some skills oh, in your back
0: pocket. Come on. <laughs> I'm not sure of that. Come on, I'll show you. We can do a little synchro. That'd be a lot of fun. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests, and it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.